Rob Faye with more on point. Thank you for making me a part of your evening. I, like I said, just before we went to break, have been concerned about this war that's going on overseas for a number of different reasons. My family actually comes from Ukrainian background. So obviously I look at it in a, uh, a different lens than maybe a handful of you. But at the same time, when you pull the lens back and look at it at a you know global level right now, you've got Russia, you've got Ukraine, you've got a bunch of countries that are all positioning. And uh, China is definitely right now positioning against the United States. And there's a lot of things, everything from semiconductors to all kinds of things. And Taiwan, in the middle of this all, is got this big gray cloud over them, and it is just a matter of time. Could we say that? I don't know. Let's go to Scott, uh, professor from the University of Ottawa, who follows us very closely. Scott, good evening. How are you tonight? And it's Simon. I'm sorry. My apologies. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Um, I, I, I wanted to really quickly touch on this mm-hmm. generally, and then we can get into the meat and potatoes of this. We hear a lot of positioning right now from a lot of different countries. Mm-hmm. I want to focus on Taiwan specifically. How alarmed mm-hmm. are they, and how is the temperature right now in the Pacific? Okay, well, you know, when you're in Taiwan, actually, I think that most ordinary people are not concerned at all. Um, they say that they've been used to living with this threat for decades. But then when we listen to the real experts there, you know, like the Minister of Foreign Affairs or the defense people, they all know that that, that, that China is really escalating. That this, yeah, when you so say there's that, a serious concern about the you know, the defense and security people there. When yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but no. you know, when you say that people on the ground in Taiwan are not concerned at all. Hmm? I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing right now because yeah. I'm sitting here in Canada and I'm super concerned. Is it the media? Yeah. Is it just the positioning of the governments? Where where should I where should I be looking? Yeah, no, I, I think it's uh, the, the 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 media is a big part of that. But I think that what it is is that you know young people are getting more concerned, and I think that there's some military training and some civil society based defense going on, but. Really, I think most of the older people and middle-aged people have been listening to these threats for a long time. They remember the 1990s when there were missiles being thrown into the waters of Taiwan by China. And so it's really easy for them to be somewhat immune to being overly concerned about it. And I think that they're kind of like, you know, the, the frogs in the pot thing, where when the water starts boiling really slowly, the frog that's in the pot doesn't notice it until it's too late. And I think that's the situation that many Taiwanese people are in right now. Well, you know, semiconductors over the last Mm -hmm. couple of weeks have become a big part of the conversation. And I know not all of us are aware of what a semiconductor is, but it's a it's a piece of technology that is a really big part of our livelihood on a number of different fronts from healthcare to computers. I mean, walk me through why semiconductors seem to be right at the epicenter of conversations between these countries. Well, you know, I think that there's a, there's a very serious concern about the supply chains there because, you know, the semiconductors I and mean, the little teeny tiny chips that power our cell phones, they power our automobiles. So it's really important to Canada's, Canada's auto industry. Um, it powers things in the military, our computers, our televisions, everything. And the, uh, there's one company in the world that makes almost all of the semiconductors that we use, and that's the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company in Xinjiang. And so there's a real concern that even even 
you know, not even talking about these scenarios of invasion, but even if there was some kind of an embargo uh, of Taiwan, that there would be a serious disruption in supply chains. And in 2022, that's not a good thing because we're always looking for more, more, more. Um, is this something that could be a spark point? And I don't want to be a media type that inflames situations, but we talk about something, something so meat and potatoes, like a semiconductor, but could this lead to more? Well, you know, this, is, you know, this does have a potential of, of leading to something. And, you know, Blinken, the Secretary of State of the United States, has said that they're thinking that there's likely to be a crisis earlier now than they had originally thought would happen. Um, and I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of attention paid to an all-right, an all-out invasion. And I think we don't want to go there. Because there's so many other things that China could do before that, and that would come at a much lower cost. But like I said, the embargo would in, have a serious impact on our semiconductor supply chains. But it's more than that, because there's so much trade that goes through that part of the world. And so even an embargo um, would have a serious disruption in many of our industries. And in both ways, because, you know, we're talking about the automobile industry, but we're also talking about if there's a crisis like that, we're not going to be shipping anything to and from China either. And so there would be um, all kinds of questions with our agricultural exports to China. Which is just one of many layers. Um, mm -hmm. I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about timelines because mm -hmm. one of the things that I think a lot of people are starting to pick up on is, you know, China has kind of, I hate using the term lollygagged, but they've just kind of dangled the idea of Taiwan and 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 the takeover of Taiwan and, mm -hmm. you know, managing that. But now all of a sudden everybody's starting to say that this is starting to speed up to an uncomfortable level. Do you feel that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that there's a much more pressure than there ever, than there has been. And I think that, you know, the pressure, again, it's not exclusively military. And I think that we have to pay attention to the other areas as well. So China is trying very hard to marginalize Taiwan and narrow its international space. They protested against a, our Honorable Judy Scroll leading a, a delegation of five MPs from Canada to Taiwan. Uh, the Chinese embassy was very upset about that and made that mm -hmm. known. And so I think what we have to do is, is really be assertive here and say that we have relationships with Taiwan. We do not recognize that they are the government of China because they are not the government of China. But we do have very strong economic and social relations with Taiwan, and we intend to continue those. And, of course, you know, China wants to prevent us from doing that as much as we can. Let's really quickly just flesh that out a little bit, and, and I wish I had more time to talk about this with you. Canada's role in all of this and the importance of that relationship in that sector of the world. Uh, you mentioned in an article that I thought was a great read, Just it just came out a couple hours ago, the navigating of this Canada-Taiwan relation and why this renewed strategy is a really big deal in that Taiwan Strait. Can we flesh that out just a little bit more? Yeah, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, I, I talked about that in, the, in this report that I wrote for the MLI, but I, I think that Canada is about to create this new Indo-Pacific strategy. We can look for that next month. And I would argue that, I don't know if it's going to be in there or not, I really hope it is, but Taiwan is really the linchpin of the of peace and security in the, in the Indo-Pacific region. 
And so if this flares out of control, then everything that we take for granted right now in our prosperity and way of life is just going to be gone for a while. And by a while, just so that we can, you know, have this sobering conversation, we're yeah. not talking days and weeks. We could be talking, talking we got to dig in our heel. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was saying. It's a, yeah. it's a problem. It's an interesting it's conversation. A, it's a very big problem. And so we've got to support Taiwan as we can. And that means, you know, supporting them getting into international organizations. Um, it means we have to continue sending our naval ships up to Taiwan Strait. We've done it once a year. Um, we need to keep doing that, maybe up the ante a bit. Um, and I think that if if China really escalates this too far, we have to seriously consider um, maybe even recognizing Taiwan and having diplomatic relations with them. That would be a bold move that would not be accepted <laughs> kindly by yeah. everybody. But uh, right. it's just it's it's something that I think we need to talk about a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it has to be on the table. Yeah, I, I agree. Mr. Simon, I thank you for your time tonight. Okay, thank you very much. Have a good night. It's my pleasure. If you'd like to read that report from uh, Professor Scott Simon, go to mcdonaldlaurier.ca. It is a fantastic read that breaks it down in pretty simple terms and uh, talks about the navigating of a very tense relationship. I am Rob Fay, back with our final segment on the other side, and this is On Point.